Here at Big Boys, we are big supporters of the arts. We consider ourselves refined and cultured connoisseurs of everything from music to our favorite classic film. As such, in this episode, we are discussing the beautifully made police action movie, Exit Wounds, starring Steven Seagal. Join us as we dissect and unpack all this beautiful film has to offer, this week on Big Boys. Prepare to be mesmerized and or mortified. Well, what's happening there? Old Sorrel's here had me something out. You son of a... Ah, yeah, clever. Kind of soft and only like in one ear. But I had a nickel for every time I heard that. Look at those boys, ain't they? With Brian Hickey and John McGray. Greetings and ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of the Big Boys Podcast. This is Season 2, Episode 8. John, this is our 20th episode. Did you know that? No, I didn't. Am I uh, am I coming out on a delay? Because you uh, you took a while to process that. No, I don't think you're delayed. Are you sure? Because uh, again, it took you a while to to respond. Well, that's because I had to think about it. Just seems like a delay, like I said. I see. Yes. Well, man. So you know, it's a true or false, yes or no, binary question. That you took a, uh, you know, hey, that's that's the time it takes for you to process something like that. That's whatever. But yes, today is our 20th recording uh, of the Big Boys podcast. We have another two episodes we're going to do for this season, and then we're going to take ourselves another little much-needed hiatus break. And um, I don't know about you, buddy, but uh, every time it gets around to this point, I am very much looking forward to that break. Yeah. So, yeah. And uh, in case you guys haven't noticed, the, uh, the ghost of Barry White has been lifted from John. The curse has been removed. It is, it is, man. But, you know, well, like all things, you know, there's there's got to be good and bad. Like, I'm sure, you know, whatever demons Barry White had and and being, you know, such a, a huge inspiration to the R&B community probably would have, you know, came in and, and found their way to you, you know. I am sorry to hear that you you lost all those recording deals, all those record contracts. Coors is no longer. Yeah, that's okay. Well, you're taking. Maybe I was work on creating my own uh, uh, sound sample library. I, I noticed that you have been doing that. Um, so, uh, just to give you guys a little inside baseball of how we usually generally do this. Um, Especially when we run out of like pre-recorded episodes, generally we re- um, record on Fridays and then release it on the next that Thursday within you know six days, We're like the lazy version of South Park. Um, and on this last uh, uploads of uh, John sending me the, the uh, mix down in his intro, he also sent me um, twelve different. Was it twelve? I believe it was twelve different samples of him burping into the microphone and he's like yeah and he was like hey 
these are just good sound bites to have for the future. John, what were you thinking <laughs> that future would be? I don't know. You know yeah, I mean, they're, but part of me was thinking they're all original. So that way we don't run into like licensing issues or whatever, you know, with oh, like, you, uh, like, 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 uh, sound libraries. Yeah. You think yeah. they're really like, how would they go about knowing like, no, that's my burp. That's my mouth. Or like, what do they have a way of registering that online of like, you know, oh, it hit this octave and this decibel for X number of mount or whatever. Cause like, you I know, feel like that's a really good point, but I don't know. I just know sometimes you can run into problems like that. If you use, I don't know exactly how it works because you get into I, yeah. stuff, but I feel like I, I've heard about that. Well, like with music sound samples of people's voices for music, not a well, lot of remixes of here for uh, loud, obnoxious burps. Like, uh, let's see here for exhibit. Um, yeah, that's burp wave one. Three. Oh, this Lame. one he called lame. Yeah. Yeah, that one was. Yeah. Boy, what a what a gold mine he sent me here, dear listener, of just yeah. different sound samples that we can use on our prestigious podcast. Oh, that one's fun, huh? That's uh, you know. This one seems like something you need to go to the doctor for. So. <laughs> A little bit forced there. Another one, another reason you should visit the doctor. And that one was uh, kind of like you were joining Godsmack. You know, um, maybe from oh, one uh, to, to hard yeah. rock. You never know. Um, and I believe you died and had to be resuscitated back to life after that. Is that probably perhaps when you, uh, Lost the ghost of Barry White within you was after that 11th burp. No, no, that was just something I, like I said, I've been kind of getting into sparkling water and seltzers and was just drinking those while I was working. So, of course, you had some good burps and, you know, it just came about organically. I burped, thought, man, wish I would have recorded that one. And then light bulb went off. And like, oh, yeah, I can. What would have been more alarming is if the burp was inorganic. If it didn't come from you, but somehow came out of your body. No, no, no. I meant that like just the process was all organic, you know. No, I got not, it. Not the burp. The burp was obviously organic, but I mean, like, just just kind of a, a light bulb moment. Right. Well, I, I'd like to hear more about this light bulb moment. What was the well, thought? Yeah, I don't know what else is. <laughs> what was the thought? I'm like, oh, we're gonna use this in the middle of our like very lightly recorded episodes that we do in the podcast. You know, we don't even really cut out like because now we're doing video, um, which you know I'm all about it too. But like we don't have we don't have multiple camera angles, so we can't cut out like any dead space or anything like that. Maybe oh shit, you know what? That's light bulb moment for me. Anytime we have a, a cringeworthy dead space of where you're processing a binary answer to a binary question, I'm going to put in one of your death burps. Did you just never know? Like you used that uh, one fart from years ago and it came back up. So now we got some burps too. Yeah. Now that one did happen organically, as you said. Yeah. Um, 
on if you if you guys know what he's talking about it's at the end of our logo here it's a it's the sound of a guy farting and chuckling and a lot of people think that that is uh, the guy chuckling is me uh which makes sense because we have a similar sounding register of voice or whatever like i i can definitely uh, chuckle the same way as as the gentleman did at the end of our um at the end of our logo um that is actually though from when we did our pilot um a number of years ago and the sound mixer that we had wanted to uh um get uh some some samples of fart sounds for his library and uh and we had some downtime and he much like john had a light bulb moment, man. You you sound guys yeah. and your light bulb moment. <laughs> hey, there's so, only one way to one way to get those sounds. Got to record yeah. them. So our good, uh, uh, gracious sound mixer, uh, Chase Haley, stepped into uh, the closet uh, in of my childhood bedroom and uh, recorded him farting <laughs> into a microphone, and uh, that is what we use today at the end of our logo. So that is him you were hearing fart and then proceeding to chuckle afterwards. Good stuff. So yeah, buddy, um thank you for the 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 farts. I mean not the farts, the uh, the burps. Um Yeah, I was listening to a uh, a podcast and I had the the volume turned up pretty loud uh when I was, you know, it's like fine. I'll finally I'll listen to these. I don't know what this is about, but my God, the they uh, they echoed the chambers of my car. Let me tell you. And uh, let's see here. Shall we? Uh, shall we proceed? Shall we get this going? Um, we also have a another Chat GPT trailer today. Um, this one came from our last episode where uh, John uh, endlessly started talking about the Kung Fu Kid as we were getting to wrap up and then, you know, threw another 20 minutes on the podcast. He couldn't just grasp, yeah, he couldn't grasp the fact that the Karate Kid would dare learn Kung Fu instead of Karate. It's not that I couldn't grasp it, it's just like, it's just kind of strange at all. You've got a movie, The Karate Kid, he's learning Kung Fu. I don't know, I just... It's, it's just the point I was making. <laughs> I'm sorry, hold on. Did you just hear the, the sentence that came out of your mouth? It's not that I didn't grasp it. It's just that you have the karate kid learning kung fu, dot, dot, dot. I don't know. If there was an, any sentence you could have said that, that justified my point, that you did not grasp it, that would have been it. No, I grasp it. I totally understand the concept. But it doesn't. I don't know. I'm just. I don't know means I don't grasp things. No, that's not true. Not in this case. Uh, I I don't know. I'm just saying this only means like I understand the concept. Like okay, he's learning kung fu, but it's just dumb to call it the Karate Kid. That'd be like having a movie called like The Milkman, but I deliver the newspaper and not milk. And you're like, why is it called? That's more of a stretch. I would say, like, oh, he delivers orange juice, right? Yeah. Yeah, but still, yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, hey, you, you know, you don't know. <laughs> you don't grasp it. <laughs> like, uh, you make it sound like I was lost in the movie. Like, I was like, I don't know what's happening. No, like, I'm, just, I'm just chuckling over the, this, that statement. <laughs> like, it's not that I could grasp it. It's just, I don't know. <laughs> But I just don't think, 
I stand behind everything I said last time. The movie was just because I actually rewatched it in the meantime. I just don't oh, think did? it was. Uh, and there was no Machio, right? No. no. no if so, sad. he's like hidden. Like maybe he's like a face in the background. It's not somebody. You yeah, notice. I don't think they would hire him as a background extra. Yeah. No. That meant something. That would have been weird. Really weird. Yeah. Weirder than that they, you know, the choice of not having him at all. I've actually gone through and rewatched all the Karate Kids by this point. So. Yeah. Well, speaking of the Karate Kid, what we have here is the trailer for the Kung Fu Kid. And this one, this one, I hope you 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 can grasp. So I actually I skimmed through this, but I don't even remember any of the names, but I'm betting there's some uh, character who's going to be the Kung Fu Kid. Um. Which uh, which characters would you would you uh, rather well, it's be? It's looking the... like all we have is narrator and Master Lee. And then, yeah, well, maybe the Alex guy, because I'm assuming that is the Kung Fu Kid. Yeah, but if you scroll, he actually has no lines. Okay, so then, um, would you do you want to be the Kung Fu Master and you want to be the narrator then? Because those are the two prominent characters, as he said. Now, if you are the narrator, you would also be the. Um, I saw that there was a, a villain line here. So, which which one are we thinking? It's a, it's a or B, A or B. Well, well, which one's A? You could have just said, "I want to be the narrator," or "I want to be the um, the instructor." What what do you call him? Oh, Master Lee. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. You know what? You know what? Let me narrate this one, I guess. All right. Yeah. Well, JB, well, JTG is uh, taking the, the reins of the narrator. So why don't you uh, get a cracking then? This is The Kung Fu Kid, written by right. Chad GBT. Trailer opens with a serene mountain landscape, sunlight streaming through the misty peaks. Narrator in a deep, dramatic voice. In a world where courage meets discipline, and an unlikely hero, oh, and I can't even read, and unlikely heroes are forged, comes a tale of determination and destiny. Cut to a young, determined boy practicing kung fu moves in a tranquil temple courtyard. Meet Alex, an ordinary kid with an extraordinary dream. Alex's face shows a mix of determination and frustration as he stumbles through his training. He's about to embark on a journey that will test his limits, challenge his spirit, and awaken his true potential. Alex stands before Master Lee, a wise, stern Kung Fu master. Kung Fu is not just about fighting. It's about harnessing your inner strength. Alex's training intensifies, showing his progression from clumsy to skilled. But when a formidable enemy threatens to unleash chaos, Alex must rise above his doubts and fears. Quick cuts show intense kung fu battles, sparks flying, and breathtaking acrobatics. You cannot defeat me, boy! Alex's determination grows stronger as he faces the villain in a climactic showdown. With the guidance of Master Lee, the support of new friends, 
and the legacy of ancient warriors, Alex will discover that true power of Kung Fu comes from within. Alex performs an awe-inspiring Kung Fu move, surrounded by swirling leaves. Prepare for a heart-pounding, action-packed adventure that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Alex and his friends stand united, ready to face any challenge. This summer, witness the transformation of a young boy into a Kung Fu kid. Montage of epic fight scenes, sweeping landscapes, and heartwarming moments. The Kung Fu Kid. Get ready to believe in the power that lies within. Screen oh, fades to black as that. the title The Kung Fu Kid appears, accompanied by exhilarating musical score coming soon to theaters near you. hi Yeah, yeah you need an effect like that. Yeah, like you need like a Kung tagline, Fu kid. yeah. Karate Ketchup. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, the caveat on this one, I've been trying uh, typing in different uh, variations for to get our our trailers. I just said in this one, uh, write me a movie trailer for a movie called The Kung Fu Kid. And that was it. So I didn't add comedy. I didn't say sketch. I didn't add anything. Maybe we should uh, start proofreading these for actual, like, lines of dialogue and not just. Yeah, there was, what, literally, what, one? In there? Yeah, there were two. Yeah, two. One from the character. Well, three. One from the villain. One from the narrator. One from the character. Like one from. No, the, uh, actually, the character yeah. had none. Yeah, it was just the 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 the, the master and the villain are the only ones. Yeah. The rest was like narrator and and scene yeah. directions. Which you know, yeah, I would like. Uh, well, the idea of us doing this too is that I don't have time. So I need something to be. Uh, I, I want ChatGPT to fart something out for me that we could just, you know, read real quick, and then yeah. we're also testing the process of it of what comes out at different times. And also, speaking of fart outs, ladies and gentlemen, I don't know if you saw on my social medias. I also have a, uh, you know, a mini podcast that I'm putting out, uh, you know, just every couple of days or whenever I kind of have one that uh, comes to mind. But um, if you're interested in checking it out, um, it's also on the Big Boys website. Or you just type into your podcast platform, five-minute fart out, and it should come up on any of the devices. Trust me, no one else was bold enough to come up with the name five-minute fart out. I know there's a lot of big boys out there, but five-minute fart out, it was my light bulb moment. See? It happens. Yeah. Happens with burps and farts. This man is becoming a podcasting machine. I'm trying. Hi-ya! Doing my best. Hey, speaking of machines, you know, just real karate kicking sons of bitches. We watched ourselves some exit wounds. Oh, yeah. Yeah? You you did go back and check it out, right? Yeah. yeah. I would say you better, because I purchased it. Now we got that, we got that baby in our library forever now, Johnny boy. You know, we can go back and just, just see um, Anthony Anderson kick his way off of a grill. Oh, man, I love that movie. I missed it so much. You know, I mean, it definitely some of that stuff I think is tropes of the time. Oh, for some sure. Of that stuff is I definitely think like the movie was just corny. Like, well, it's a lot, dude. But then also when I was saying last time about like uh, how you can just kind of tell that a lot of stuff that um, you know with like Steven Seagal just getting aging and you know being more and more progressively more and more out of shape at the later stages of his career, 
where you can see like, okay, well, it's just like clearly a wire, you know, is doing everything for him now. Like where he's like, there's that one scene where it's just um, uh, him and one of his like uh, old, his um, movies where he's like playing a special ops guy and he's like just dragging a guy across the screen, but it's like clearly like being fed by a wire and he's like making very little effort. Oh yeah. It's quite obvious. And of course, you know, each movie gets kind of more and more low budget. But I, what I was going to say about this one is like there's some definitely for sure like some wire work like where it just it does the stuff that he's doing does not compete with his body. You know what I mean? Where like he he but he's still moving around a lot. You know what I mean? Like but like it's like me if I was like doing headstands and and you know. And like spin kicks. Well, some of that I think but, is also just the popularity of the time, like the Matrix. Yeah, no, for sure. The Matrix made the whole wire fighting stunts like really popular. Yeah, and it is around that time for sure. But what I was going to get at, though, is that like it was done way better in this film than like obviously in that last movie I was talking about where he's just like, come on. He's got like, yeah. Um, And it was a delight, man. And it definitely is. It it is filled with tropes of the time, you know, like every. Every person of color is like just wearing like a sparkly jacket, you know, like it's just got to like, you know. Oh, the movie feels dated for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like when he's fighting DMX and DMX is somehow a proficient fighter um, and he's keeping up with him despite the fact that he's wearing like a, a baggy designer jogging suit. That was actually going to be another uh, point I was going to make there is that, um, um, which I, I, I want to go back and watch Cradle in the Grave and um, just after watching this movie, because it's just uh, I, it might be from the same team of like producers and all that, because it has a very similar feel. Um, but like it's a it's the same running trope in Cradle of the Grave. And I haven't seen Romeo Must Die. I need to watch that, too. So I'm interested if they do it with that, too. But like basically what this movie and Cradle to the Grave posits and like with, uh, you know, uh, DMX doing all these, uh, you know, um, his fighting move is that his baggy clothes are used as a weapon. You know? Yeah. Because he, t- like, in the last minute when he kills the, you know, the bad undercover cop that he's been, you know, trying to, you know, f- uh, get for framing his brother or whatever, you know, they're they're at the last final stage of the scene or whatever. They're covered in heroin. Just, <laughs> just caked in heroin, which is also another hilarious thing when you think about it. Because, you know, I probably watched this when I was in seventh, eighth grade or, you know, actually probably even younger than that, probably fifth grade. But, you know, you don't uh, realize like, like these people are caked. Three. Yeah, so it came after this. Yeah. As I said. Um, but, uh, like, <laughs> these two people are caked in heroin still just, like, pulling off these badass fight moves instead of just being like, what, what, where, what is, what is this? Where am I? What, 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 what? <laughs> like, just on the floor, just spinning out of their fucking mind, <laughs> you know, like his face is just coated in the shit. Oh, is that what that yeah. blue stuff was? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cause that's what they were. It was a heroin solution that they were putting in the t-shirts. Oh, okay. right? I didn't put two and two together that that, that was yeah. the heroin. I thought it was, I don't know, some powder, but yeah. But, um, yeah. And, uh, I thought I'm pretty sure it was, but uh, I could be wrong. But um, anyway, so yeah, like he's, um, you know, he's about to be the his enemy is about to throw him into the spike against the wall, right? But he's holding him by the jacket, and little did he know that he slips out he, of it. DMX just knows how to slip right out of that jacket, and sending his enemy running face first into a spiked wall. Yeah, yeah, not that, that, that uh, yeah that. Um, 
uh, heroin solution thing dipped in t-shirts was pretty interesting. I was like, is that a real thing? Apparently it is. I looked it up. Huh. Yeah. Uh, that movie also had a surprising number of like people who went on to have like decent careers. Like, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like Ava well, Mendez feel- was in there. Yeah, I was wondering. I actually wrote that down. I was like, I wonder if this is her first film. You know, um, maybe yeah. And uh, well, actually, I think um, yeah. Like Anthony Anderson was a recurring because uh, I've only seen clips of Romeo Must Die, and he's in. He's in. He's definitely into Cradle to the Grave because him and uh, Tom Arnold have that just great uh, charismatic, you know, improv. That they do together, like yeah. Man, Tom I, Arnold was in it. That's a good. Yeah, point, yeah. they're both they're both in Cradle to the Grave as well. Um, and oh man, I love. I just give me a movie that is like I love this film, but if this film was just Tom Arnold and Anthony Anderson just going back and forth, just shooting the shit for an hour and a half, I would have been completely okay with that too. You know, they're 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 great together. Give me, I want a, I want a buddy cop movie with Tom Arnold and Anthony Anderson. You know? Speaking of Cradle to the Grave, which we may have to do that one next. Yeah. Uh, w- w- has Jet Li been in anything in a while? I don't know, dude. You know, he's uh, I don't know how old he is, though, either, because he's like 60. Yeah, he might just be bowing out. I mean, like, I feel like shortly after this period, he started saying, like, I'm going to retire. And then, you know, came back every few years. Well, I think he was talking about retiring like his from doing like martial arts epics. Yeah, yeah, but he was still doing some movies, and then I don't know, maybe decided to fully retire. Maybe, man. You know, who knows? Because it maybe. shows the last thing he did was the live action Mulan in 2020. And oh, I, I was that, that. The last thing he did was 2017. Was Mulan 2020? Yeah, according to the IMDb here. Hmm. I didn't, yeah, I didn't check it out. That sounds about right because I remember. That was about the time COVID was going off, and so I think they ended up putting it on Disney Plus much sooner because theaters were closing down. And, right. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know, man. I mean, I was even aware he did something that recent, you know. Yeah. So he may be still doing something. Are you on it? You're on his IMDb right now. Yeah, but before that, it was like so. That's like one movie in like six years. Well, yeah, but like I mean, like you said, he's semi-retired. He doesn't really need to do Maybe it. So yeah. And um, yeah, see, he has nothing in pre-production, even though, as we discussed last episode, he can't really trust that. Uh, let's look. I'm only looking at released. Let's let's uh, adjust our. Okay. Well, while you're looking that up, I'll uh, go through some of the notes I have here for exit wounds. Right out the gate, there's uh, you know, the president of the United States is giving an address. Um, and, uh, one of the first things he says is, uh, more preschoolers died from gunshot wounds than police officers in the past year. What the fuck is this world they're living in? Cause this is again, 2001 being filmed probably in 2000. Like I know mass shooting is a problem now. And you know, it's not that they didn't exist back in 2000 and 2001, but they certainly weren't as hyperbolic as they are now. And I would even still argue that I don't know that more preschoolers are getting are dying from gunshot wounds than police officers today. No, they aren't. That's absolutely untrue. Even today. Yeah. I mean, 
I was just that, like, that's just oh. that's just the, the point of that scene is not that he's accurate. The point is that's just a politician talking point. Like obviously no, I know, he's a politician, I, well, he's the vice it, president. Yeah, it's it's just supposed to establish that like oh the the, the the city's riddled with crime. Like oh yeah, this is bad. Well, it's it's setting up the uh, you know the 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 feel for the movie, right? Yeah, and that uh, you know he's kind of. Which makes no goddamn sense because he goes out of his way, you know, like no one would come down on him for saving like a government official and go, oh, you threw him in the water. Now you got to get punished. Yeah, especially when it's the vice president. Yeah, that shit would make national fucking headlines. Yeah. Yeah. The yeah. vice president, the one of one of the the two people whom that like they spare no expense to protect. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. And like, there's no way in hell that after going through all that, like, yeah, the public opinion would definitely fucking matter. Like, he was like, even though this son of a bitch threw me in the water, and he knows I can't swim and I hate this fucking guy. I can't let the world know that. I can't let people know that because of the public perception. I got to get reelected. No one would come down on him like this. Yeah. It's just fucking insane, which is great. Like, you I saved love- the vice president. Like, yeah. yeah. Which, again. Not knocking. I love it. I fucking love it. I love that we're in this insane world that truly does not exist, but it's it's positing itself like, yep, this is the world today. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, the the the, the fucking a, a helicopter that has a smiley face and says "Have a nice day" on it gets the drop on the vice president. <laughs> like, what the fuck? How did they not see that shit coming from ten thousand fucking yards away? Question: Was that the last uh, theatrical Steven Seagal movie? Um, no, we talked about this last time. I think the last one to hit theaters because this one actually did good in theaters. This did pretty good. I don't. I mean, I don't know how it did with critics wise, but like the box office, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. I mean, it, I think it, it made won. money. Yeah, I don't think. Yeah, it's but the one that breaker, but. the one that sunk on all levels, and we talked about this last time. It was uh, the one with him and Ja Rule. Oh well, the, well which that's was right like after basically this. the next one. Half exactly, past dead. exactly. The, and then it, yeah, it's all. Did that actually get a theatrical release though? I th- I feel like it did. If if not, I definitely saw it in a movie channel at the time. You know, so it was still popular oh, yeah. enough. It was like you know, it was still definitely popular enough to be on the movie channel. You know, when we were kids, which was still a big thing. Like that's usually all the movies that go to theaters. Right. Okay. Yeah, it did. Uh, Half past dead released in November fifteenth, twenty two. See, I don't remember that one being. I remember the advertisements yeah. for Exit Wounds and thinking I want to see that. You know, when I was like yeah. twelve. And, and same with uh, Cradle to the Grave. I, I didn't want to see that one as much. I thought Exit Wounds looked cool though. And yeah, you just said the title. What was the other one with Jaw Rule? Uh, Half past dead. Half past. It's bonkers, man. It's it's a good bonkers flick. Um, what was I going to say about that? Uh, yeah, uh, I, you know, it just, it just, it's sad because that is definitely the downfall of his career. They were, they were shooting for, for I, and it wasn't even all right. It wasn't even all right. They, yeah, they made neither. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That, that one <coughs> flopped. It was, uh, I was a big wet turd. It yeah, was, let, I'm trying to see. Where's the. I'm but you can even box office mojo here. Oh yeah, worldwide, nineteen million dollars on like a twenty-five million dollar budget. Yeah. 
Well, like in, you know, in this and in, in exit wounds, like Steven Seagal, you know, he's never really looked like your conventional action film, but, you know, he's always been, you know, not in the, you know, the like a fucking, he doesn't look like Thor in any of his films. Yeah. But he looks like a guy who could physically do shit. And he's still somewhat believable in, in this one, even though he's just progressively throughout like the 90s starting to wear more and more loose fitting shirts. I wouldn't really say it was really unbelievable until like, no. maybe a, until like the mid to late 2000s. So I was going to say that's the one where you can clearly see like the, even though it's only been like a year or two, you know, you can clearly see the delineation of like how he's gained, a, you know, you can t- he doesn't look, uh, yeah, he looks pretty chub. Yeah. And, you know, it, it becomes progressively less and less believable. But that, honestly, if I remember that story, it was just bonkers all around. Uh, yeah, see, Exit Wounds did 79, almost 80 million, 79.9 million worldwide compared to Half Past Dead, which did like 19. What was so, the budget? Yeah, Exit Wounds was significantly more successful. What was the budget for Exit Wounds? Uh, I'm trying to find it here. Does it say? Oh, we can find it. Let's just do Exit Wounds budget. Yeah, look into that. Oh, also going back to our vice president scene, I love that. Uh, again, I just love the idea that this world that brings us into thirty-three you know, million. Thirty-three million. Okay, so yeah, it did really good then. Yeah, yeah. but uh, you know, guy goes and it, all the um, people that are trying to uh, assassinate the um, the uh, vice president are all like, um, you know, dressed as police cops or whatever. And so, like, the idea of like you can't trust who is saying they're a cop has kind of been established. Because yeah. motorcycle cops are trying to kill the president or the vi- vice president. And Seagal kills like 10 of those, not in uniform. But as soon as he gets around, <laughs> he just, it's cool, I'm on the job. Like, why the fuck would they trust that? Yeah. <laughs> like, why would they? <laughs> like, that, uh, it's just like, and the, yeah, the immediate reaction is like, ah, oh, son of a bitch. Question, something I just thought of too. Um, uh, them trying to kill the them trying to kill the vice president was that ever relevant to the rest of the movie, or was that just a setup at the beginning? It's literally just a setup at the beginning of the, like that. Um, yeah, that he's gonna be transferred to this other precinct. Okay, because that's um, what I was wondering. I was like, that's n- like nothing else in the rest of the movie has anything to do. Yeah, with, yeah, yeah. Like, the poly- the vice president, or the president, or yeah. The vice president, yeah, like the, the vice president doesn't come back and like give him a favor, like you know, you really pissed me off, but you're okay in my books, ago. And yeah. none of that shit happens, right? Which is fine. I mean, I don't know. I, I feel like it had enough numbers going on in the movie of like uh, DMX going undercover and uh, and his big, uh, you know, <laughs> his big saggy jacket hiding cameras. Yeah. <laughs> for like, yeah, and you know. I, I was going to say for like the first half of the movie, I was like, this shit would not work. But then I I, I, I actually got to give it to the filmmakers. It did kind of pay off in the end. Like, cause especially there's only like one or two shots that they use that were clearly like cameras from the film or like, um, Michael J white. Who's in this as well. Love that motherfucker. Oh Love yeah. Everything he does. My man, black dynamite. Um, when they reveal that it's Michael J white and, and they're showing it like, DMX and his crew are showing Seagal that like, oh, Michael J. White's the, you know, 
a guy uh, running head in the show here. It's clearly from this the, the film camera from earlier. Like, God damn, like where do I get that at you know, at uh, fucking um RCA or wherever? Where, where can I get that fucking camera that has that depth of field? Yeah. You know? But all the other ones actually like they were like, you know, from a camcorder. RCA Radio Shack. The fuck was I saying? I know what you meant. Yeah. 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 Which was still around back then. Yeah, yeah. R.I.P. Radio Shack. Yeah. Um, yeah, I thought that was weird too. I was like, these shots look pretty good. A lot of them, especially for like camera technology of 2001. Yeah. Right. Like, imagine like a, a camera on your phone in 2001. I don't. It, if actually, I don't yeah. even think most phones had cameras back then. If so, they were like brand yeah. new. And digital was dog shit. I mean, if you go back and look at the fucking first um, or episode one of. Uh, Star Wars, like it's like, oh, this is this looks like it's covered in mustard, you know. <laughs> so it's like even that wouldn't have looked that good. And it's just like, yeah, uh, <laughs> let's say hypothetically, because he's got a big saggy jacket. Like DMX was like stuffing an eight millimeter camera <laughs> in yeah. there, and he's filming him with that, and nobody notices. Even if he did that, went to a lab, got it developed, it still wouldn't look as good. Yeah, exactly. You know? Of course, movies have been doing that kind of oh, thing yeah, for, for years. Sure. Where you'll be like, "Oh, they still do it." Yeah, yeah. We we pulled this off of a a yeah. surveillance camera, and yeah. then it's just the most clear, beautiful footage you've ever seen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just somebody like recording from their phone, but all they do is they put like a little red light record button, or like the you know the interface for what looks like a you know an iPhone recording. But it's yeah. like again, just what a gorgeous picture. I'm looking at like you know depth of field, and you know. Or it's 24 frames per like, second. Yeah, yeah. You know, 100 yards and still looks good. Yeah. And it's just, I just turned this on and wanted to get my last tires. Bullshit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So. Dude, but yeah, I forgot how many, like Michael J. White being in there, that was cool. You know, and him and uh, Seagal getting that fight at the end. So yeah. you definitely see uh, Michael J. White doing some stunts. It's great, man. And then also yeah. they go off another tear there of, um, you ever heard Michael J. White talk about uh, his, uh, you know, run-ins with Seagal? No. I mean, he's actually pretty professional. I got to give it to him. Like, he doesn't, like, he composes himself pretty well, but you can tell he's just, like, he was not happy. He was not okay with it. It's apparently, I mean, it's it's been, you know, widely reported all around. Like, Seagal did not pull, never fucking pulled his punches with any of the stunt guys. And he was, like, I've, hurting I've heard that same thing, that he would know? beat up stunt guys. and Yeah. But, uh, you know, honestly... I would say if you're going to go back and watch it, just watch it from Michael J. White's ex- facial expressions because he doesn't really say much. He is he stays pretty composed and uh, you know professional about it. But like he's just like, yeah, like whatever the guys ask him, he's like, yeah, uh huh. Now that uh, that was unpleasant. <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> you can just tell he's like, fucking hate that guy. <laughs> then there was also uh, what's his name, Bruce McGill in there. He, he's right, another yes, one of those yeah. like character actors that's just yeah, been doing yeah. a bunch of stuff. He was the one at the end that was uh, there to help Seagal that that turns on him that you find out mm-hmm. is actually like behind the whole thing too. Like, yeah, he's above or or claims to be above uh, Michael J. White's character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and that would have been interesting too. If, I mean, well, I don't know. It's just such a nitpicking thing for like a, a, a just a crazy film that I love so much. But like, what if he was like, you know. And also, why didn't you let the vice president die or something? Just to yeah. connect it, you know? Or what yeah. would have been cool is if the vice president came and did, did him a favor. Like when DMX was like, hey, we, we've been doing this video. 
we're trying to take this guy down. If maybe, you know, they could have just been yeah. like, well, let me call in a favor. And he could call yeah, in a favor. Like, yeah. How did you get this number? And Mr. Vice President, I know I don't like you and you don't like me and you don't like to swim, but I know you like to live. Yeah, exactly. And I, I got another friend here who also likes to live. And you should help him because I helped you. He's like, you son of a bitch, the girl. Like, all right this time but after that we're square like, yeah. <laughs> we're i don't know square. i don't know you i don't know you a thing yeah next time a dhl truck tries to assassinate him you better stay out of the goddamn way <laughs> yeah exactly <sighs> like yeah just so it's i love that opening he's like why is anyone why would anyone be pissed at him yeah <laughs> just like or, the whole I don't world know. i could definitely see the government trying to do an investigation of like, well, is there no, not some think, other way you could have saved the president? Why did you have to sure they the would have done that? But also, yeah, the the optics of it all, you know, especially because yeah. like I think there was like news cameras they cut to it of like you know doing the whole thing and like you know the optics of it would not have fucking paid off for them. Yeah, you know, that guy is not getting fucking reelected if it comes out that the guy who saved his life has been demoted to some other, or transferred and tried to get him fired in some other department precinct. Like that's not. Gonna oh fuck yeah, exactly. Be like, yeah, yeah. The guy that saved the vice president was reprimanded. Like, yeah, yeah. Um. Oh, so did you find out is Jet Li doing anything in the future? Yeah, it doesn't look like it. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, there's you know, no hey, upcoming. Yeah. Good for him. You know, like I kind of appreciate those. Like, I don't know. I don't. Again, as we mentioned with like Schwarzenegger, like who, how how would you even know how to comprehend being in their shoes? But like, yeah, he doesn't he doesn't need it, you know. Good for him. Um, so yeah. Oh, every uh, another everyone in this fucking movie kills it. Like every small bit character fucking just knows what movie they're in, and they just fucking nail the part. Like um, the guy who plays the car salesman, uh, you know, in the dealership of like. Yeah, oh love, yeah, and love he's his trying to act all like slang with them. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Hey, and then, you guys are my dogs. And like, yeah, yeah. Uh, Arnold Pinnock. Uh, I I took his name down uh, just because I I just love his performance in that scene. I'm just like <laughs> where he's DMX is rubbing up the, the car and he's like, "Would you turn the engine off? Would you turn the engine off? Would you turn the motherfucking engine off?" Just he does. Yeah. He's fantastic. Everyone kills him in this film. I mean, and it it, it it definitely works to Seagal's advantage of, like, because, like, if it was, yeah, I don't know, man, like, the, that's the other thing, too. I, I love the pacing of this film. There's no fucking dead air. There's no time for you to even comprehend, like, is this believable? You know, yeah. like, because it just goes to the next thing, to the next thing. And, like, no matter what still happens, like, Seagal walks to the door, finds himself in a shitstorm. You know what I mean? Like, well, I can't even remember, like, why was he at, like, what was that area, like the mall or the offices or whatever, where he, he stumbles upon, like, the janitor and his daughters are being held captive, and it just all somehow relates to the, you know. I'm trying to remember why he was there. Yeah, I don't remember either. Like, it just kind of, like, he was just like, I don't know, I gotta go get some socks or something. And, like, ah, oh, shit, everywhere I go, you know. I can't really, I know he went to an, um and talk to the uh the evidence locker cops right and asked him something but i don't remember what it was yeah so he, it might it was in relation for, to that it, i think it was something to do with the investigation what he was trying to figure out but but even the the guys ass that he he kicked after you know saving the uh the janitor and the kids or whatever like i don't think those criminals were related to the were they i don't know 
That's my point, though, is it's just like every, especially when I was trying to like take notes throughout the whole thing, like every scene is like pow, 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 kick, kick, kick. Slight, you know, little small explanation here. Pow, 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 kick, kick, kick. You know, just kept on fucking just hammering it. I loved it, dude. Oh, and um, <laughs> another another great line. Um, the guy, the actor's name escapes me. He was the guy who uh, later went on to being Grey's Anatomy, I believe, and then had a whole controversy from that. Um, the guy who plays his partner. Yeah. Um, you know, they're uh, he's driving around with him on the first day. And it's, it's just a car driving down the streets. So where are they? Are they in Michigan? Are they in Detroit? Detroit? Yeah, yeah. It's just like, but it's like, it's a decent looking neighborhood that they're driving through. And it's just like, look at this place. There's thugs turn this turn the neighborhood to shit. And he just like the the fucking landscape outside. It's just like average looking pedestrians just walking around the streets. It's not like there's no hoodlums about like it's just like people going like shopping in many malls. Like, uh, thugs turned this place to shit. Well, you know, that's one of those they literally like, all right, these are the lines. We just we can film here and let's yeah. just Yeah. Well, I didn't even know, like, because then they were still, at that time, still, all right, I think they used the technology of, like, the green screen of, like, you know, well, I don't know. Maybe, maybe he was uh, being pulled behind, you know, uh, a trailer or or either one of those could have worked. They had the technology to put him, uh, you know, in a studio and then have the green screen rolling behind him with uh, just a generic, you know, a generic looking street. I was going to say, kind of. I mean, I haven't been to Detroit, so I wouldn't have noticed any landmarks. But I was like, God damn, that feels like. Even though they keep saying they're in Detroit, like a lot of like the outside shots look feel a lot like L.A. You know, they probably filmed in L.A. Let's be honest, and yeah. they're probably just like, oh yeah, this is Detroit. Sure. Yeah. You could believe that, right? Uh, also, the movie had Bill Duke. That was cool. The one that was um, Mac from Predator. What he he was one of the yes, cops of this yeah. old precinct, yeah, yeah, yeah. The one that he was like, yeah, again, ends up being on his side, but was like, if I in the, earlier in the film, if I had my way, you know, yeah, would, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, Bill Duke's great. Um, I was gonna say, yeah, everyone kills their performances, um, and like it makes Seagal's performance even more palatable. But like you can cut, like this film could have even been more of a masterpiece if that's even possible. If it was somebody more slightly more cared, I don't know. I don't know because it's like the amalgamation of like, you know, I, I hate to use the trope of, it, of being a good bad film because like you know, like saying that you like something ironically is still in, in, enjoying it. But yeah. uh, I think part of me is like you know enjoys because Seagal is not great, but then there's also like his line reads are like okay if, so, if there was like a slightly charismatic actor. Like reading this line, it would have, you know, maybe had some feel behind it, but like, you know, it's just like it's it just falls so flat, like when they're um having the the chase scene where he's with his uh the female um uh captain is uh, yeah. driving the Jeep around town and like he's like he's make he's saying these little one little one liner quips that are supposed to be jokes, but he's just like he doesn't like add any inflection. It's like he just says things. them. Yeah, yeah he's just, I always said women were bad drivers. And it's yeah, like, after, yeah, I, I, yeah, I and it's like after they fucking slam into this fucking, like, I always said women were bad drivers. Like, you didn't, <laughs> you, like, there's no, you know, you're not reacting to the fact that your car just slammed into, the, yeah. you know. So good. Oh, and I love, yeah, everything, every fucking thing 
has the potential to blow up in this film. You yeah. know what I mean? Like um, the uh, the first like when they're yeah. So when Sagan gets kidnapped in the black, most you know obvious like this is a kidnapper van. Um, the first car that they sideswipe into. Like, it doesn't even, like, you know, not when the van, you know, gets totaled or whatever, but when the first one they sideswipe into fucking explodes. It's like, that's not, that's not, that sounds, that, that is a dangerous manufacturer of a vehicle. If just, like, from one, you know, side collision explodes a goddamn car. Yeah. You know, the I think that was another trope of, like, that era, yeah, yeah. too, because the Simpsons would uh, make fun of that a lot of times, yeah. like, there'd be scenes or something like a leaf would fall on a car and then it explodes or whatever. You know? Essentially. Yeah. And again, yeah. not fucking knocking it. Love it, dude. And then like, yeah. And like, basically the rule is anything is liable to explode unless, you know, Seagal is within range of getting yeah. exploded as well. Like, cause like shotguns, like a shotgun, like a, sh what, a shotgun is a very powerful thing. But also at one one shot, I believe a shot just one shotgun shell blew up another fucking car. <laughs> it was Dude, like, yeah, that was one thing too. At the beginning, when he's shaving the vice president, he blows up the helicopter with his pistol. I was like, all right, that's oh a, yeah, that's right, yeah, that's a little much. Like I like yeah. I like, you know, like I said, action just for the sake of action. But that was a little much. Like I know that I love that personally. That was that I laughed out loud. I was like, what the fuck? I forgot about it. Like, yeah. yeah. Damn, <laughs> eight millimeter. How do they know my helicopter's only weakness? Yeah, yeah. It, it's small. Yeah, it's small handgun fire. Yeah, and just fucking explodes. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. And just I love all the tropes of this. As you said, it's probably of the time, but it's just it. It still it tastes that much sweeter just seeing it and post mortem. I suppose of like every everyone in this movie is in the best goddamn shape of their life even minor characters like the guys that are in the the van you know showing them who was uh there earlier uh you know tying up the uh the janitor and his daughters or whatever like the guys that are you just running the video in a fucking van you know yeah. those guys great jawline <laughs> like looks like they just got done doing a p90x workout but their job is computers <laughs> like yeah, and they they sit in front of a desk all day. I'm not saying it's not plausible, but it's like everyone, everyone, <laughs> like, you know, everyone's just like fucking, you know, like the the Rick and Morty joke of like, you know, uh, what was the train guy like rips his shirt off, like, oh shit, uh, tickets please, guys, is jacked. Like, yeah, I feel yeah, like that could that could uh, yeah yeah. I feel like that could that could have been that joke could have been made for every character in this film. Like, just turns out they like rip their shirt like the janitor. <laughs> cut you know what yeah. i mean just everyone's fucking jacked except for seagal but um oh and then uh maybe it was more so this time like because i'm looking at it in this uh you know way of like you know there's no way in hell as versus being a 12 year old kid just watching the movie just to watch the movie but it's like there's you know i remember there being so many stunts so i was kind of looking for like waiting to see seagal's uh stuntman and oh my god did it pay off like you can click like if you're paying attention, you can clearly delineate when Seagal is even like from behind when Seagal stunt man is is doing this stuff and when it's Seagal. Oh, I didn't really notice. Oh, dude, go back and watch the motorcycle chase. It's just like the 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 
because like no one's ever going to get Seagal's hairline right because it's it's a false hairline right but like it just cuts back and forth from you know Seagal close up and then wide of this clearly like just buff Italian guy with a great hairline and 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 jawline and uh, just yeah and then um there was one shot where like he like whips up from the bike and it's like oh yeah that's just, that's definitely his stunt double but yeah it was it was great man Oh, oh, and as I'm watching the end of the film, um, <laughs> this is what blew my mind and something we should definitely look into. Um, this was based off a fucking novel. Oh, I didn't know that. It said that, yeah. Huh. And I was like, what? I'm looking that up now because that looks. Please do, like, yeah. You should read that. Now, I wonder if this is like a scenario. Where it was uh, similar to like the Die Hard experience that we, we we talked about last time, of where it's it's kind of loosely based off that novel, right? Like they they basically got the proprietary rights to it and then changed all the character names and you know made it more a two thousand one action film. Yeah, it says the 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 book is the same name though. Oh, sweet. Yeah, based on Exit Wounds by John Westerman. Are we familiar with that guy? No. He's not like a uh, um, the guy who writes the Jack Reachers or anything? No, I'm trying to remember that guy's name. But All right, well, let's look into John Westman. What else has he written? What else do we know of his work? Let's see, books. Exit Wounds in 1990. Okay. Uh, Sweet Deal, a novel, which I'm guessing it's a cop something because there's a police car on the cover. What are, what are the genres of these of the books? Like, is it... Because I'd be interested to see if it was, like, noir, slow pace, <laughs> you know? Oh, it looks like mostly crime novels. It says he is a retired uh, a retired Long Island police officer and the author of six crime novels, including Exit Wounds, which was adapted into the 01 action film. Well, John West, what was Westerman? Westerman, but it's two N's. Westermanon. John Westerman, we, we thank you for your service. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, as a uh, officer of the law and an officer of writing the the basis for the greatest goddamn cop movie that's ever been created. Um. Yeah, that was... Oh, wow, okay. I didn't realize this was an Andre... What is it? Bar- Bartok... Bar- Barkowiak? I don't know. I'm obviously butchering that. Yeah, that, that sounds like a bunch of consonants. I don't know what the fuck that... B-A-R-T-K-O-W-I-A-K... This is the filmmaker? Yeah, that's the director of the movie. Um, what else has he done? Oh, uh, actually quite a lot. Um name name something. I, so. Okay, as a I'm on IMDB here. He was cinematographer on speed, director of Romeo Must Die. He directed okay, so. he directed this and directed uh Doom, the one with Did the he, rock. Oh really? Did he do Cradle of the Grave as well? Because this has a very similar feel. Uh, I mean, again, Romeo Must Die. The small clips that I have seen also have a very similar feel to this, and it's also was, with DMX. He was the apparently he's been the the DP on a number of bigger films like Lethal Weapon Four, U.S. Marshals, Dante's Peak, Speed. That's, that's fantastic, but let's get no. Back I, I don't see Cradle to the Grave. Really, his credits. Yeah, it's definitely got his. Uh, yeah, it definitely feels like the sequel to this film, but with Jet Li. 
You know what I mean? And obviously it's got a slightly different Oh no, I'm story. sorry. Here it is. I was overlooking. He did do Cradle to the Grave. I fucking knew it. Yeah. I knew it. Yeah. yeah. Everybody shits on Doom um, with uh, The Rock. And, uh, you know, I guess it probably doesn't pay really good. Um, I never really played the game, but, like, it's another movie that, like, it's so bad it's good or whatever. That's know. another one of those, like, you got to be careful with video game adaptations because video game and movie, they're they're just two different mediums, and sometimes it's hard to convert the game to a movie yeah. and not disappoint fans of the game. You know? Yeah. Obviously, yeah. the only one that's worked is um, The Last of Us, which, honestly, if you played the video game, it the story of it works very much like a mini series. So. Yeah. It also that, depends on what you, I guess how, what you want to define as what worked because we could complain about resident evil and how it was nothing like the game and blah, blah, blah but obviously it was successful enough. That they made like seven of them. They're still making stuff. From, now they're making like animated films and I don't, I don't, I can't keep up with them. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. I, well, I went back and played, um, Whatever the last uh, one they made, one seven or eight, I, I can't remember. I played that one, the one that's uh, in first person. That's just, I think that's seven. Yeah, that's a great game. But yeah, I was. Uh, I had only seen like the some of the movies before, you know, playing the games. Let's go. So yeah, there none of the characters from the film are in there except for Alice, obviously, which is can be argued as, you know, not even particularly a character because it's just, uh, you know, a computer program, right? Yeah. Let's see. I'm trying to see. So four and five. Actually, no, no, it wasn't in there. What the fuck am I saying? There's no Alice in there. Um, well, I guess, well, they did Resident Evil 7 Biohazard. That was 2017. Then they did the Resident Evil 2 remake in 2019. Mm-hmm. And the Resident Evil 3 remake. I know the remakes were pretty popular. Yeah, I don't think this was a remake. Um, maybe it was. I don't know. But uh, and then anyways, they did that, uh, Village, Resident Evil Village. That's the one. That's the one I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, the one with the uh, the whole internet went crazy about uh, you know the big ladies, the donk a donk. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one thing that's funny, and we are going. Oh, and they did a remake of uh, Resident Evil 4 that came out this year. Huh. That'd mm-hmm. be fun to play. Yeah. Anyway, what were you saying? Uh, speaking of DMX, who is in Exit to the Grave, or Exit to the Grave, <laughs> Exit Wounds, new movie. That's it. Yeah. He's uh, starring a young AI DMX, Exit yeah. to the Grave. So in Resident Evil 2, there's that character, uh, Mr. X, who's one of the tyrants, but he wears, oh, yeah? like, you know, the, the trench coat. And, is he going to uh, give it to you? Yeah. Somewhere online, I think someone did a mod that they used XCOM give it to you as proximity music. So as That's he would fantastic. get closer, it would get louder yeah, yeah. and louder. And be like, XCOM give it to you. XCOM give it to you. <laughs> yeah. That's fantastic, dude. Yeah. Oh, man. Love me some DMX. Also went back in preparation for this. I went and watched, um, uh, there's a documentary on HBO. I think it's called, yeah, Music Box, Fil- music box Films. Um, and uh, he's got an episode on there, and it's uh, the last year, you know, when he he passed. And it's uh, it um, you know, they follow him like from the the day he gets back out of prison, and uh, starts going on his uh, his new tour. And uh, it's a, it's an exceptional documentary. I highly recommend uh, if anybody's a DMX fan to go watch that. It's 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 incredible. 
Um, and actually, a, a guy that I did some, uh, <laughs> a guy that I did an improv class uh, shows up in two shots. He's a fan of DMX as well. And you could see him fanning out. It's pretty cool. It's like, oh, shit. I'm in the middle of watching. It's like, oh, yeah, I know that guy. Um, and, uh, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's great, dude. Like, um, <laughs> there, the, and I'm not trying to make a joke out of the man's life, but, um, there was a one scene where, like, uh, <laughs> it was Mother's Day. And, um, to be honest, I was kind of like half, a, half asleep and half not. I was waiting for our last episode to finish, um, you know, rendering. You know, just basically watching paint dry. So I watched, uh, I watched the stock on my uh, computer while I was waiting for that to happen. And uh, but, anyways, you know, he's on tour, and DMX has got a lot of kids, a lot of kids from uh, a handful of different baby mamas. And uh, he's um, taking his kid. You know, he's having dinner with his kids, um, and uh, his current wife is with him. I don't remember if like his first wife is with him as well, and their kids. And, and it, like one of his, his ex baby moms with them. And uh, <laughs> goodness gracious, I didn't realize that 17 kids from 11 different women. God Holy damn. Crap. I didn't even know that they didn't even really touch. They, they basically just showed like he's got more kids than you could fucking, you know, interview. Yeah. Um, holy shit. Wow. My man put it out there. All right. But anyways, it's <laughs> like like the uh, he's, he's just, you know, he's having dinner with his kids and, you know, he's having, you know, Spending time with his kids, and uh, it's really more on the documentary crew of like their their um, they got a shot of like uh, one of his baby mama or whatever as he's saying Happy Mother's Day, and like just the stank face she gives the camera is <laughs> 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 fucking priceless. Oh, so good. It's kind of wild talk. that his name is Earl Simmons. Yep. Yeah, man was a legend, dude. I mean, I don't think he needs us to say that. He's yeah. But uh, you know what I also loved about him too is like he just you know he he also went back to his roots. He stayed in Yonkers. He lived in Yonkers, which is where he's from. Um, and, you know, definitely gave back to that area. But then also like he was very patient, like with because um, he was a pretty religious guy, which is you know teach his own. Um, but he uh, he went and did like uh, like a prayer thing or whatever with Kanye, I guess, um, back in like 2019, and like all these you know extremely like uh, straight laced uh, you know white people had never heard of him before, and were like, oh, you were so wonderful. Do you do you do the raps? And like you're talking to like the, like the fucking one of the biggest legends in the genre, and he was just very patient. He's like, yeah, yeah, no, I've uh, been doing it for you know a while, and I'm just like he's really. Really sweet rather than, you know, just being real cocky and, uh, you know. Man had a big heart. Yeah. Yeah. My condolences to him and his 17 children. Big heart and uh, a lot of sperm. Apparently uh, planning to go around. Hey, man, it's something we could all aspire to, you know. I guess so. And you know, anyone, anyone knocking him, like, don't say he didn't warn you. He said, X gonna give it to you. And he did. <laughs> he fact, did. Yeah. Gave, it, uh, gave it at least 17 times. At least. Yeah. Great talk, man. Yeah. But yeah, exit wounds. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, it's, we're over the hour mark. 
Um, do you have anything else you want to you want to talk about? Or no, I'm just trying to think of uh, what I'm going to eat now. Dude, me too, man. I uh, I woke up pretty late for this recording. You know, I work overnights, and uh, so I don't wake up until you know after the crack of noon because I didn't yeah. get home until about five thirty this morning, and then my roommate here he's an early riser so i chatted wow. with him for a bit and then basically i didn't get to lay down until i was like until about 7 a.m and i was almost like fuck maybe we should i'll just knock it out but I was like there's no way in hell john's up at 9 a.m so no i was out a little late last night too so yeah i was not up what were you doing last night uh not nothing really i just uh hung out with some folks over at the donkey and oh and you got drunk <laughs> I mostly did that here at home, but yeah. 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 Oh, well, uh, that's okay. So let's go on this one. But uh, there's a drink that um, his, his, uh, and I have to go back and watch um, Cradle to the Grave or Romeo Must Die, but uh, DMX's signature drink in this film is called uh, Hennessy Paradise. And now, John, I'm no longer a drinker, but um, would you oh, do yeah, me a I favor? Oh, yeah, I remember he didn't mention that. Yeah. Uh, next time you uh, you find yourself uh, out of uh, alcoholic beverages, would you uh, do me a do me a favor? Have have yourself a treat. Make yourself a Hennessy Paradise and let us know how it is. Uh, I would, except I'm just looking it up and it's very expensive. Really? I thought it was a mixed drink. I thought it was Hennessy plus something else that made it a Hennessy no, Paradise. No, apparently it's a uh, a special release, Hennessy Paradise Cognac. And oh, so yeah. here's a bottle at Total Wine for thirteen hundred bucks. Oh well. Yeah. yeah. I'll tell you what. Um, you don't have to go out of your way to buy it, but if you happen to, <laughs> if you, if you if you do happen to find yourself getting to sample Hennessy Paradise, yeah, please do let us know. But yeah, if that never comes, yeah. To so fruition, I would I, I wouldn't mind trying it, but yeah, something tells yeah. me it's going to be a while. Listen, man. I know that your unfortunately your R and B career is not going to take off. You, you know, Barry White has left you. Yeah, I'd, but uh, if this if this podcast eventually takes off and we make thirteen hundred bucks, we'll get you a bottle of Hennessy Paradis, okay? All right, that that'll be our our celebration for sure. Yeah, I'll just watch you drink the whole thing. Um, <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, that's our show, ladies and gents. Appreciate you guys tuning in. All right. We'll catch you next week. Okay. For another episode tributed to DMX and the exit wounds. Love me some X. Can always count on him to give it to you. Even after death. Best believe X gonna give it to you. X gonna give it to the world. And we're all Oh just so much better because of it. We should all be so grateful for X and everything he gave to us. In this episode, I uh, I misspoke on a lot of things. Um, I think I called uh, motorcycle cops, police cops, um, and then of course I referred to Radio Shack as RCA. 
there was definitely a handful of uh, other misspoken things uh, throughout that episode. And honestly, probably just about every other episode of this podcast. As that is the dynamic of uh, long, cringeworthy pauses given by my co-host. See right there, another miss uh, saying thing. Me misspeaking. Um, But that is the dynamic. Is uh, my co-host, Sir John the Great. Uh, leaves uh, long, cringe-worthy pauses, and I, on the other hand, on the opposite end of that spectrum, try to fill every painstaking silence with words that, uh, I'd say 60% of the time, turn into sentences that make absolutely no goddamn sense whatsoever. But all the same, We thank you for listening. We thank you for tuning in for our 20th episode of this podcast. 20 episodes deep, dear listener. And here's another 20 more. Raise your Hennessy Paradise and cheers as we strive forth to make more and more great content. Content where I will no doubt fumble over my words and John will just endlessly stop talking after he's cut me off in the middle of the sentence just so you the listener can hear his empty thoughts on our recorded podcast and look forward to more of those it's going to be a great time we have two more episodes left in this season and boy let me tell you what it's going to be a doozy It's going to be something greater than I can put into words, which is obviously not saying much. But I'm looking forward to them. I'm looking forward to to really just, uh, you know, going going all out these next two episodes and taking that much-needed hiatus of getting other things done that I need to do, such as uh, more community service hours, have some other creative projects that I've been uh, trying to work on that, uh, you know, I'm not going to lie. It's a bit of a joke to uh, be doing now um, two podcasts, which is more like one and a half because, you know, five-minute far-downs uh, are uh, about half the work as this one. But, you know, doing that, and uh, as I've mentioned before, I am constantly auditioning, doing a lot of voiceover auditions. Matter of fact, as soon as I get done talking into this, I gotta hit re- hit stop record, and then I gotta knock out three voiceover auditions. So, got a lot of other stuff going on creatively that uh, fills my days. Certainly not complaining. Certainly hashtag blessed, but also hashtag exhausted. Just man, oh man, it's been quite a bit. But um. I digress, and once again, look forward to just uh, giving you guys some great content in the next two episodes we got going. And, uh, it's going to be great. Stay tuned. And with closing, as always, I'd like to say, Como se llama humana? Lo siento, Good night, all my fellow North Texans.
and to all my fellow Angelinos, sweet, sweet dreams. And to everyone in between, whether near or far, far away. Have a good night, a good day, a good afternoon. And whatever comes, whatever may, just have a peaceful existence. This has been another episode of the Big Boys Podcast. Podcast produced by Not So Funny or Proud Productions. The team consists of co-hosts, co-producers, and co-editors Brian Hickey and John Sorrels, better known as John the Great. For more information about the duo or this show, please visit us at BigBoysPodspot.com or feel free to take a gander at our production page, NotSoFunnyOrProud.com. Look us up on social media and follow us at Big Boys Podspot. New episodes drop every Thursday on every popular podcast hosting platform known to man. So please be sure to like, subscribe, vibe, describe, contrive, confide, collide, abide, preside, tell your tribe, and most importantly, do prescribe. Me and Elixir for talking at the side of my neck.